everybody. This is Jack O'Halloran. I'm the CEO of Scale Labs. Scale is a 100% decentralized network that's built to bring the power of Web3, NFTs, and DeFi to billions of users. I'm on the Edge of NFT podcast today. We're here getting the message out to the next billion plus Web3 users. Let's keep listening. Hey, all you NFT curious listeners, check out today's episode to learn how Scale Labs is literally helping the NFT and Web3 space scale into its potential. And why your aunt and uncle's favorite brand will be their entry point into NFTs. And how Edge of AE has created an easy button for brands to bring their Web3 and NFT projects to life. All this and more on today's episode. Enjoy. And remember, NFTLA is coming March 28th to the 31st. It will be an unforgettable experience featuring the creme de la creme in the NFT space. Head on over to nftla.live to get your tickets as early as possible for best pricing. And if you or someone you know wants to partner with us to co-create this special, unforgettable experience, there are still opportunities to get involved, but they're also going fast. So please reach out at contact at edgeofnft.com and hop in the Discord via edgeofnft.com slash Discord to stay updated. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Jack O'Halloran, co-founder and CEO of Scale Labs. Scale Network is an open source Web3 platform intended to bring speed and configurability to blockchain. It is the only containerized network capable of running an unlimited number of secure, decentralized, high-performance Ethereum blockchains. Jack is a veteran Silicon Valley tech entrepreneur with a deep background in machine learning and AI technologies and blockchain. His resume includes being co-founder of Octana, co-founder Incent Align and executive positions at Good Technology and Motorola. His first work with digital currencies was in 2008, building a digital currency platform for enterprise resource allocation. Jack has been an active cryptocurrency investor and evangelist for decentralized systems since early 2013. In 2018, Jack's passion for decentralized systems and blockchain led him to join efforts with Stan Cladco to solve the blockchain scalability problem and develop the Ethereum Layer 2 multi-chain network scale. Jack, welcome to Edge of NFT. Hello, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jack, it's great to have you here. I know this show has been a long time in the making and appreciate that you're also a fan of the show. It's always an honor to have a fan of the show as, as a guest. Thankfully, we both recovered from the Bufficorn cough and at Eat Denver, yeah. named affectionately after the Bufficorn that we all minted. And yeah, and we'll see you at NFTLA soon. But in the meantime, let's dive into what Skill's all about and how it got started. And we'd love to start with your Genesis story. How did you get the idea to put the wheels in motion to build Skill? Well, and by the way, I'm still recovering from the Bufficorn cough. So bear with me. <laughs> me too, on the final stretch here. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's the last week. But anyways, yeah. So scale, like I think a lot of really great tech ideas, they come out of really out of just necessity as opposed to great, you know, great vision. 
So Stan and myself were both out building Web3 applications. So we had a different ideas for building products that could bring the you know, power of Web3 and decentralized systems to hundreds of millions of people through the applications we wanted to build. We both were running into the same roadblocks of, hey, this is too costly and too slow. And how can we ever even get to 100,000 concurrent users, let alone you know, millions or hundreds of millions. And Stan is a world-renowned cryptographer and a world-renowned physicist. And when I was introduced to Stan by a couple of VCs that were close with uh, Signia Ventures and Floodgate Ventures, Stan had these ideas. He wanted to build a decentralized Twitter and a decentralized marketplace and a decentralized, uh, you know, a DEX. And he had these four ideas. And I said, Stan, why do you think you can build these things? And, and you know, he's just a, a technical visionary and he'd architected really what scale is today. And so, you know, by so the two of us came together and said, hey, well, this is something we can bring to, you know, thousands of other builders as opposed to using it to build tens or 20, you know, of application for ourselves. That's awesome. I mean, it's really beautiful to sort of be on a team with someone like that. And I love all the people that we meet here. So many like really forward thinking folks that have a really clear vision of what's going to happen next. I remember talking to the founder of Render Network and being like, whoa, he, he like really, he really saw it all. Like, and it's beautiful to be able to be in touch with people like that and be on a team with them. I do have a burning follow-up question though for you, Jack. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, as you're going through this conception process, did like the gas prices of ETH and sort of the impact of CryptoKitties on the market, did that cross your mind in the process of sort of conceiving scale? Yeah, definitely. And so one of scale's biggest advantages is that it's actually gasless. And so Stan and I both come from enterprise software, uh, you know, B2B software, machine learning, big data. And so this model of kind of instead of paying per byte, you pay for, you know, a resource is a core part of, of B2B software. And you also don't want to penalize your growth by charging users each time they use your product. And so scale is actually a big piece of this was, hey, if we could subsidize the fees through a scale token and letting people essentially rent out the space in advance, it takes the burden of the transaction fee from the user to either a developer or a DAO or a project or a company. And so that's really one of the pieces of innovation. And, and that, uh, you know, it wasn't just slow block times and limited functionality in, the, in these blockchain products. And it was also just high fees. You, know, you can't do anything with $100 fees. Yeah. Can you tell us about Ruby Exchange and how that supported by your platform? Yeah. So I think and one another interesting thing to note about Scale. So I think a lot of people have a vision in their mind of what a blockchain is. Scale is actually a network of many, many blockchains. And so instead of one, there could be hundreds or thousands of these blockchains. And they all work together to share security, but they don't share performance. And so when you have all these chains that can talk to each other, you, could, you have this limitless blockchain pool of resources, but you can have issues in terms of functionality and interoperability. So there's a launch happening next month. It's called Scale V2. And all of these chains in the, in the Scale network will be able to speak to one another. And when that happens, we also need to make sure that there's not just liquidity everywhere. You don't want to have every chain need to have a DEX. And so there's actually a Scale Community Hub launching and Ruby and some other folks are spearheading this Scale Community Hub. And so there'll be a world-class marketplace for trading tokens. So an AMM or automated market maker on the Ruby exchange that also is powered by NFTs. So there'll be NFTs that people can purchase that actually give their user account increased rewards and other different features and functionalities, which is really cool to see an NFT not only be a limited piece of art, but something that's functionally adding value through a smart contract system like a decentralized exchange. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's like, you know, we talk about this often, I think, when there's people who are wondering about the long-term feasibility of NFTs. They're often folks that, you know, just have this vision of kind of collectible art and, and trading cards on the internet and things like that. And of course, we're all seeing this over and over again. There's just a lot of functional usage that's going to be wrapped into the infrastructure you know, of the future here that there's no denying there's sort of no better way to do this stuff. And you're either going to be seeing NFTs or you're not, right? Because, but they'll be there. Yeah. And you know, that fits the culture of, of blockchain and crypto too. Imagine if NASDAQ had an NFT you could use to, you know, get, you know, enhanced trading fees. It's like, Sorry, it's just not going to happen, right? <laughs> so this whole decentralized and fun and disruptive nature of the industry, I think also brings in really cool pieces of functionality. Yeah, I think so, man. And you just, you know, when you think of community, right? It's at the center of everything and, and bringing users on board and engaging with them, making things easy for them, right? This is the way that we've seen so many companies onboard folks into the space. And I'm curious how you view, you know, ID Cash's you know, position in that kind of hierarchy of things that you do for customers. Yeah. So IV Cash is, it's still one of the best kept secrets in crypto and especially NFTs. So one of the issues has always been, well, one, how do you help a novice user who doesn't have a Web3 wallet get an NFT easily? And so I think a lot of people are trying to build solutions and IV actually lets a user scan a QR code. And instead of it just, you know, sending them an email or taking them to a landing page, it literally mints an NFT on the scale blockchain creates a wallet on their device that can leverage the Android wallet, it can leverage the native iOS wallet, and it can leverage the biometrics of the user and safely store and secure the NFT. And so it just completely transforms distribution. And so if you think about all the brands, whether it be consumer brands, celebrities, musicians, you know, premieres of movies, and your ability to get NFTs to non-crypto native users, it's just, and part of it too is it's, you know, amazing engineering on behalf of the IV team, but also they were able to use the gasless nature of scale to literally mint the NFT because everywhere else you need to actually subsidize that user's transaction. And it just frankly isn't feasible to do it in a seamless manner. Yeah, man, that's amazing. Yeah, just that that easy button across the board. Any, I feel like anytime you can provide that to solve a complicated problem. And in this case, we know Gosh, we've all spent hours and hours and hours explaining how to open a wallet and how to transfer the money and this and that, right? Endlessly, right? So, wow, that's that's an amazing addition. It, it, really. By the way, that's like, I feel like that should be an industry motto. We should just be like, you know, easy button. How can we easy button this thing? Because that's the gating factor. Like, finally, the tech's here, the, you know, the social side, the users are here. We've got to easy button these products. Totally. Yeah, I mean, we could probably do a show on each of these products, but we want to kind of go through some of the other ones so people understand the vastness of what Scale is doing. And one of those is Curate, which is an NFT marketplace that uses Scale to empower creators by giving them gasless minting, which we talked about earlier, and fast finality. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So again, this is a, we've got a couple really cool launch partners and in these, what we're calling them Scale NFT Hubs. And so if you think about it, there'll be you know, hundreds and you know, eventually thousands and thousands of games and applications and you know, decentralized social media products, B2B marketplaces, all these different products on the scale network. And these products, a lot of them have NFTs, but you can't have an NFT lit a marketplace on every single chain. And so we have these hubs. And so Curate is taking a very mobile-friendly, mobile-first approach to NFT sales and NFT marketplace and really attacking, I think, a very like high-quality creator market. And I think they're seeing like, you know, hey, OpenSea is, is our 
you know, vast store of, you know, unlimited quantities. And they're trying to be, I think, more specific to a certain clientele of buyer. And that will be an NFT hub and as well as uh, NF Trade is another big scale partner who will be launching a hub we're really excited about. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And, you know, I know you guys have NFT Trade, Solidaria. Solidarius, really interesting, empowering Shopify storefronts with a reward mechanism to send customers tokens and, and NFTs. I think that's where a lot of people go when they think about how can we make this stuff mainstream? They think Web3, Shopify. We yeah, <laughs> exactly. put those two things together, then we've got something really special. So yeah. Can you tell us about both of those, like NF, NF Trade and, and yeah, Solidarity? So I think, and they're again, kind of servicing different audiences, which I love because the, the industry is growing fast and it's growing in every direction. For people listening, just, you know, one interesting just data point on the market is our team, we can't hire enough people in business development and we can't, you know, we don't have enough time in the day. There's so many projects being built. There's so many cool things happening and every type of business that needs to have better customer engagement and brand engagement and community growth is thinking about how to launch an NFT. So, so if you look at that, NF Trade has a it's really a open sea meets a full, you know, full multi-chain world. So they have chain support from a number of top marketplaces. I think depending on the days, they're always in the top three to five in volume on ETH specific pure marketplaces. They, uh, you know, really, really brilliant team out of Israel that that has built this product and we're pumped about the launch and they, they'll have a dedicated scale hub and we've got, there's about, I think there's 150 different projects getting ready to go live on scale at different stages of the, you know, the process to go on the V2 that's launching next month. And a lot of those will go live on NF Trade. And then Solidaria, I also think like, you know, the Web3 purist side of me loves just being Web3, but I also, the practical side of me knows that connecting to Web2 and having hybrid models is really the way we're going to get the first, you know, hundreds of millions of users, right? And if you go to DAP Radar and you sort by daily active users, you don't see hundreds of millions of users across every, you know, at all. But that will change when we get really good Web3 hooks into Web2 products like Shopify. And the Solidaria team is doing just that. Yeah, man, we got a lot to, a lot of ground to cover still. <laughs> and I feel like we've gone a long way. It's amazing what you're, what you're doing here, man. So, you know, one of the things that you also recently announced was the, the $100 million ecosystem fund. And so... What's the story there? Like, what are you planning to do with it? How are you going to be deploying this in the ecosystem? So we're incredibly excited about it. We've, we've been waiting for a long time to announce this. And it was strategic in that it would be announced right before Scale V2. So this right now we have almost all of these islands. All these scale chains can talk only to the mainnet, right? They're islands with a single bridge. And they're soon about to be you know, islands that are all connected to one another. And you almost have more of a, you know, a Venice of a series of canals and connected buildings instead of islands. And so with that launch, we've announced this $100 million grant program, and that will be given out in, in different waves. It also, uh, we wanna be decentralized and get a lot of different entities supporting that distribution. The first one will be supported by the foundation behind scale, and it will be specific to blockchain gaming. There's $5 million grant pool that's dedicated for that. And then in the future, there'll be different DAOs that will take different initiatives to go launch a DeFi-specific grant program or launch a Web2 you know, conversion program. And we look forward to seeing a lot of different groups, parties, people, and individuals help deploy that capital. Yeah, big opportunity to have an influence in this space. You know, we've, we've seen so many programs like that evolve and make such a huge impact, getting especially small companies you know, to help 
basically set them on a trajectory for success. So kudos, man. That's amazing. One interesting thing there, we, you know, we had the opportunity to take that quantity of tokens and say, hey, let's go sell it to VCs and let's go raise a hundred million bucks, right? And then, then we would have a hundred million dollars and then we could hire all these people. And, you know, and then we have a big centralized company. So instead we took an approach saying, well, scales, it's community owned. It's a public good. Instead of just selling that to VCs who then are going to sell it later, how could we strategically distribute that to grow community and create more shared ownership of the protocol? And we actually did have a you know funding opportunity to go do that and, and turn it down. So yeah, man, I mean, it, this is one of the things I love so much about kind of this phase and the evolution of crypto is there's the ethos and we can talk about that all, all day, but actions speak so much louder than words. And, and that's what we're seeing here. So that's, again, kudos, man. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There's so many creative ways to do this. And, you know, you think about what was done, you know, in the 2017-18 time and some of the criticisms that time in terms of, you know, making VCs do really well. Thankfully for them, they've helped build this ecosystem. But we now know what real long-term mass adoption takes, and it takes an army, right? So on that note, tell us a little bit more about 360 NFT and what we can expect from their collaboration with Scale. Yeah, and this is, I think 360 NFT is one of these sleepers that they did a very soft launch, getting product dialed in, but they service what I would call like an entirely underrepresented component of humanity. So they're going initially into reggaeton and Latin American music scene and going after a market that, you know, is really representative of the founders. And so it's a diverse team and they are going and saying, hey, we know tech, we know music, we know distribution, let's go take this to, you know, people that look like us that we understand because that market's being frankly underserved and we're pumped to support them. And they're just a real brilliant team that I think will, a lot of people are going to be talking about very soon. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. I think, you know, in any endeavor with such a wide net, it's so important to have like individuals and collective spearheading a focus, right? That, Mm -hmm. you know, is around their culture or their specific area of knowledge. And we're seeing all sorts of interesting things bubble up and it's beautiful, right? And I think that people need to remember that too, that there's no one culture behind the evolution of Web3. And it's really going to take these individuals building within their individual cultures and then bringing it all together to make something fresh and new. I have to say, you know, we've been talking here for a bit I'd say my brain is kind of mush right now, which I love about this. You know, I love about this podcast. Like you have so much going on with scale and it's really so impressive to hear all about it. And it's fun. I love, I love this kind of stuff. Tell me about Mempo NFT collection. What's that? Yeah, so Mempo is a scale partner. Now what they're doing, they're actually building something called the Mempoverse. And so it's GameFi. There is an NFT they've launched. They'll be launching more later directly on the scale network but they're really pumped about being able to have zero cost GameFi to do play to earn games built by world-class developers and being able to integrate avatars and NFTs and NFT-oriented superpowers that can be coded into smart contracts. They're doing some cool stuff and it's starting uh, starting with an NFT, but really working on building what I'd call next generation play to earn platform. Can you tell me like more about dual reality, like a dual reality community and kind of what that means inside of Mempo? Yeah, so I, th- I think it's interesting too that you actually can interface with the Mempo community through different houses and homes and you know real world experience. So 
take the Super Bowl, for example, you could go to a Mempo house and a Mempo party as a token, you know, NFT holder. You also can interface in a metaverse with, you know, your avatar and play and earn and trade, et cetera. So I think, and we're actually seeing that with a lot of partners, this, uh, you know, remote reality. So there's some cool stuff that hasn't been announced yet, but where people can live and actually like play games that are, that are, or like participate in a sporting event and the fans are calling plays and they're actually getting certain rights and power to call those plays by having NFTs. So there's a lot of cool stuff that's, that's coming. And I think we're blending this world of the real world and the digital world pretty well. Yeah, we haven't heard about that uh, remote, you know, fans calling plays at all or had them on our podcast uh, (laughs) with Steve Aoki. But yeah, that sounds really cool. (laughs) There it is. Power to the fans, right? Uh, Fan control football. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, let's take a step back a little bit and ask, you know, for 2022, right? As you look ahead here, we're a couple months in, you know, how do you think about like the interactions of, of the metaverse and the NFT economy? And where do you see that going here this year? Yeah, I feel like we're still just in the, we're just crawling, right? We're not even walking and we're definitely not running yet. That's exciting because there's just so much happening. And to, you know, to say that like, this is literally the first inning of nine innings, like, you know, I think is fair. And for me and what I'm seeing when I'm talking to brands, when I'm talking to, you know, different global platforms, everyone's thinking about, it's like NFT plus. So it's like, you have, you have an art image that's rare, that's immutable, it's provable on chain, that's scarce to a certain degree, but that also gives you something. So it could give you access to a special component of a wine club. It could make you a co-producer of a movie series or a, you know, that gets sold to HBO. It could make you a, have certain access to backstage passes of a concert if you hold one of those images. And so it's a piece of art that actually gives you that pass to, you know, different experiences and, or even, like I said, with Ruby, enhanced trading features. Yeah, that's cool. The most rapid development I've seen in any industry, basically ever. It's crazy how fast things are evolving here and also how fast real value is being created, right? We're not just talking about notional values anymore. Like there's real revenue coming in, mm-hmm. dollars being distributed, value being created for users. I mean, it's it's just an insane pace. And, uh, and one of the things, I mean, the NFTLA conference, I think will probably be the best opportunity for anybody to witness this, but it's a culmination of these skills that are just like the perfect recipe for growth, right? We've got marketers, creatives, You've got technologists, finance people, media, you've got entertainment, you've got, you know, like literally in the same room, you could have a produce, a world famous producer and a smart contract developer and, you know, a brand agency and all just kind of, you know, an economist <laughs> and they all need each other. <laughs> I know. And your cousin, right? Who doesn't know anything about it, right? <laughs> yeah, say, hey, exactly. what, what's this? You know, it looks cool, right? So uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Big plug, appreciate it, man. NFTLA, March 28th to the 31st. Check it out, NFTLA.live. Yeah, you know, people have been asking, how can I help with this conference? You know, the answer I give people is bring a Web2 friend, bring someone that hasn't sort of gone into the pool yet. And, you know, on that note, I'm sort of curious, what will the next generation of NFTs look like? And how do we make it easy for your aunt, your mother, your neighbor to come to interact with these creatures of the future? You know, so, and also bring, hey, I think as a segue into that, bring your friend who thinks NFTs are, you know, just like, hey, I could print a, I could just copy and paste it. And then I have the image. It's like, 
you know, bring that friend because there's so much understanding. And one thing I tell people, it's like, okay, well, I could go to the Louvre and I could take a picture of the Mona Lisa. I then have a copy of it. Now, if I try to sell that or the Louvre does, who's going to sell it for more? Okay. It's like certifiably a one of one. NFTs bring the same, same certifiable scarcity on a blockchain. And so I think one, we're going to keep seeing this like one of 10,000 launch and cool communities grow and evolve. But I get the most excited about brand engagement and seeing world-class brands that want to have a deeper connection to their, their fans, their audiences. And again, have some cool stuff launching, especially in the car space. There's some real high-end vehicle manufacturers that are creating you know, NFTs that you get when you purchase the vehicle. And guess what? You That might be worth... And then you can use that in the metaverse. Maybe you don't care but you could sell that. And so it actually, you know, does strange things to the value of the vehicle as you're purchasing it, right? It's like the list price is going to be the list price if you're buying something that comes with something worth $50,000 in the metaverse. But they also just want to, you know, when you have that scarce item, to be able to use that to interact with the brand in an ongoing manner is pretty a pretty cool thing. So I'm excited for that next piece because right now we don't see a lot of it day to day. We're hearing about it especially those of us working in the space all day. And we're going to start seeing those rollouts happen soon. And, you know, I think it will silence a lot of the critics that think, think these are just expensive JPEGs. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting two area you call out here, just the world-class brands, you know, and of course, I'm, I'm sure you're talking about existing world-class brands as well as kind of the ones of the future, right? That are kind of leveraging this technology. But I think one thing, I think especially pertinent to our listeners, which I think... If you've been listening to day one, you're, you're, you're as, as much as can be an expert in, in NFTs as compared to the person, you know, the, the world-class brand that hasn't investigated it at all, you know? And I think there's a lot of opportunity to just communicate really what is the culture here? Because I think that's some of what's missing in the, the world, the sort of existing large brands coming into the space. I heard this example the other day of like Coca-Cola trying to sponsor a gaming conference, right? And it was like an online thing. And they wanted to have like a moment where everybody stopped and <laughs> drank a Coke. <laughs> it was just kind of like, no, oh, this is not even in the spirit of anything that's going on here. Like people are, yeah, it's not logos. Like it, it's different. It's about experiences. It's about, you know, understanding the culture and, and right, getting into it and the community aspect and all that stuff. And the traditional, just put your logo on something is really a yesterday thing. You know, given all that, you know, we're looking into, you know, the future and the current about what's inspiring, what is, who is getting it, what is really gaining momentum, what projects and people do you look to for inspiration in, in this space as we wrap up this segment? Yeah. So one, I, I always love to give credit back to Ethereum and the Ethereum community scales a, a part of the Ethereum community, but you know, we're all, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants and even though it's very expensive to mint NFTs on the mainnet, I think the mainnet will continue to serve this huge value and purpose over time. And, and especially when, you know, it's like Ethereum compatible, Ethereum native products like scale can connect to the mainnet and make, you know, NFT minting free and fast. And the mainnet still provides huge amount of value back throughout the whole ecosystem. So I wanted to give that call out. And again, just excited to see, um, see products roll out where all of our friends who are not very technical and don't own any crypto start getting NFTs and, you know, like kind of get red pilled in by the easy button. So it's, we're close. As Jeff said, we got to, we're about ready to easy button this thing. <laughs> 
We interrupt the Edge of NFT podcast to reveal one of the best kept secrets in the NFT space right now, the Koi Network. If you are a creator or a builder or an investor in groundbreaking projects, you need to dive into Koi ASAP. Why? Imagine a new internet where each time your posts get viewed on TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter, you earn rewards. Koi's revolutionary decentralized infrastructure scales this new internet to the whole globe, transforming attention into an asset and every creator into an earner, all without the expensive high-energy usage of old-school blockchains. Here is the best way to learn more and earn more by becoming a founding member of the growing Koi community. Go to edgeofnft.com slash Koi. That's edgeofnft.com slash K-O-I-I, two I's. There you can publish your first Koi NFTs for free and start earning Koi today. The new internet is coming. Don't you want to be valued on it? Beautiful. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, look, we really appreciate you walking us through so many different aspects. There's so much more too. So definitely, you know, get out there, listeners, and check out Scale. Amazing stuff happening over there. We wanted to take a step back and shift gears a little bit and get your personal perspective on some fun questions we call edge quick hitters. It's really just a way to get to know you a little bit better. 10 questions, looking for short, single word or, or few word responses, but we may dive in a little deeper here or there. Jack, you ready to get after this? Let's Jeff, do it. Jeff um, Jack has a head start because like, he's been a listener to the show. So this isn't <laughs> going to be as difficult for him. So I expect some really good answers, Jack. I, hey, I'm really glad too, because whenever, if you're on podcasts and you're not a listener and then you get hit with one of these, it's, uh, you know, so we'll see. I guess the pressure's little, on though. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, we'll see, I guess. Wait, so. Maybe we should ask him to ask the questions from memory of himself. <laughs> yeah. <right>? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it actually. (laughs) As I was coming over here, I was like, I wonder if I could even do that. I don't don't know. (laughs) So let's go. Let's dive in. All right. Question number one. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? You know what? This is a tough one because, but what I would say, I remember for some reason, I have this vivid memory of I had got a dog and I finally had a dog and like I had saved up enough of my money. I went and bought a leash for my dog. And that was like, you know, it was like, and I could barely hold the dog. It was a big hundred pound lab by that top point. But that was my first purchase. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, I like that. That definitely, I think, is that the first dog related purchase I think we've heard? Yeah. But getting the dog before the leash is kind of like quitting the cart before the horse. That one's a little... So we had, (laughs) my parents, you know, we had a leash, you know, I I bought my own. Got a special. And the dog at that point was a hundred pounds. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, big dog. (laughs) Question number two, what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? You know, I think the first thing I ever sold, which is, you know, kind of interesting because I don't, I don't think I've really ever sold anything. And it was, I was working at a company in Silicon Valley called Good Technology and I was selling, it was a mobile security software. And it was a strange thing for me having to call up like CIOs and IT directors. And I was at, you know, right out of college. And initially I just didn't know anything, right? It was, it was kind of a, it it drove me to learn and become more of a learner. And I got pretty good at selling because I, I realized I couldn't sell. I was like, I need to quit selling. I'm just going to try to help people with their problems. And I did a lot better. (laughs) And there you go. Yeah, exactly. Good lesson. Question number three, what is the most recent thing you purchased? Most recent thing I purchased was a flight to Portugal. <laughs> I leave today. <laughs> hey, all right. Yeah, we got to get you out of here. We'll keep moving, buddy. Okay. Question number four. What is the most recent thing you sold? You know what? I'm a hodler. I haven't been selling. By the way, I'll add Ethereum. I bought a lot of ETH the other day. I just feel like Ethereum is this foundational 
layer of everything that has to do with smart contracts. So, but yeah, I haven't been selling. No selling. <laughs> no selling. All right. You heard it here. Question number five. What is your most prized possession? I'm actually not very much of a material person. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give a kind of non-material answer. And also just really clear, these are not my possessions, but I have three kids. And those are my most prized thing that I support, I'd say, rather than being a possession. Yeah. And they're all under five. So, Oh, wow. Okay. So I, my life is full of a lot of work, both day job and night shop. <laughs> wow. Kudos, man. <laughs> Question number six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? A world peace. Is that on the market? Can we buy that? Hey, right I think we can, we can take that. I like that. <laughs> we could use that right now. That's for sure. Yeah. I think everyone could you know, want a little dose of that. So yeah, buddy, <laughs> for sure. Okay. Question seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Yeah. You know, I, this is a really great question and a tough one, but I think just being, you know, acting with purpose and intent is something that I think I've, value as a personal trait. And it just kind of like, well, anytime I do something, it's like, well, why am I doing it? And I think a lot, even if you're starting a company or going to school or, you know, I think a lot of people go through life without really, you know, digging in, having self-awareness of what they do and why. And even little things, like if I have to do something, I'm like, well, why do I have to do this? You know, and it, I end up like doing things that really are meaningful and important to me. And it, it helps you prioritize things as well. Awesome. And, you know, one of my biggest disappointments kind of coming of age is asking adults like, why did you do that? You know, like, why did you make that life decision? of like, I wasn't really thinking. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even thinking about it. Sorry, that's what everybody else is doing or whatever. You know, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> All right, well, flip side of that, Jack. Question eight, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? <laughs> so I don't know if this is a personality trait, but I... I am one of these people, I wish I could operate on like effectively on less sleep. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a personality trait, but what I'll tell you is I have bad personality traits if I don't sleep well enough. Yeah. I think that <laughs> I'm much nicer, smart, <laughs> fun, oh, <laughs> man. Memory, and just, you know, living in the, I have a six month old baby too. So I think I'm Oof. realizing the value of sleep right now. Mm. I don't know what's worse, me without sleep or me without food. <laughs> yeah, that one too. it's a tough one lead to the same place <laughs> a little easier question nine what did you do just before joining us on the podcast yeah so these are all connected so i actually packed a, i packed my suitcase because i'm a suitcase packing procrastinator uh -huh. and you know i'm going and actually okay then i'll wait for the next question to tell you what i'm going to do and i'll give you more more color <laughs> all right thanks I, but i have to ask about the pack are you a packer that packs exactly what you need? Or do you kind of just kind of go a little more freewheeling? I am a full on minimalist packer. That's because I started as an overpacker. And I have flown probably, I've flown almost 2 million miles. Oh. And so I've been to Japan 60 times. I've been to China 15 times. I've been to Europe so many, you know, bunch of times. And I just, you know, I travel for work a lot and I have for a long time. And so I just realized eventually I just, w I would way rather run out of something than have an something extra. <laughs> yeah, right on. Like I'm lightweight. <laughs> yeah, buddy. All right. Last one. Question 10. What are you going to do next after the podcast? So I'm going to visit the, we have 25 colleagues or so in Ukraine 
and they're all in Lisbon. And so I'm just going to hang with the team and they're there with their families. And so that's what I'm doing. It was kind of a last minute thing. We got, they all, you know, fortunate enough, the majority of them to get out of the country and be in a safe place. And, and so I'm just going to go hang with them. No business agenda, just sit there, work in the, the co-working center every day. And, and also just try to help them get set up with just social services. Like they're trying to get their kids into schools right now and just figure out, it's just, it's a crazy thing. Our office in Ukraine actually got hit by the bomb that landed in the middle of Kharkiv and like not directly, but across the street. So all the windows broke and it's just been, you know, oh. a close to home thing. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to go try to, you know, share some love and support and be with our teammates. Right on, man. Yeah. Well, we don't want to hold you up from that any longer, man. We got to get you out of here to get to the airport. But before we break, where should we send our listeners, man, to find out more about you and everything that Scale has going on? Yeah. So if you go to scale.network, and that's scale with the K, S-K-A-L-E dot network, uh, it's kind of a good central hub to find the Twitter, which is at Scale Network, or me on Twitter is at Jack O'Halloran. And yeah, there it's a you know really strong community. Love if people are interested, please come check it out. We've got you know huge global ambassador group. We've got I think sixteen different languages represented uh, in all the content coming through, and really strong communities across the world. So yeah, please come check it out. With almost twenty five billion in sales in twenty twenty one, there's no denying the NFT market is on fire. But what many investors don't realize is demand has skyrocketed for another asset thanks in part to this NFT boom. The asset I'm talking about is multi-million dollar blue chip art. And it's been so hot, a Banksy offering on the Masterworks platform recently sold for $7.4 million. And what's even more incredible is, all shares of this Banksy offering sold out in just three hours. According to Masterworks, similar works by Banksy saw a price appreciation of 19.9% from 2007 to 2020 outpacing the S&P 500 by nearly a factor of two over the same time period. And Masterworks investors recently saw a 32% annualized appreciation net of fees from the sale of another Banksy painting called Mona Lisa. To discover how to buy into similar offerings by Banksy, Picasso, and Monet for a fraction of the cost of the entire painting, visit edgeofnft.com masterworks. That's edgeofnft.com masterworks. For important disclosures, visit masterworks.io slash disclaimer. All right. So now we're going to hit hot topics. We know Jack's going to probably have to run somewhere in the middle of this, but we're so excited to have him and he's going to join the conversation for as long as he possibly can. Let's hit the first one here, which is one that is very close to our heart and is full disclosure, something we're heavily invested in. And that is something that's called Edge of AE, which is a project that we're launching with our guest here, Jevin Fox. What I'd love to do real quick is turn this over to Josh to kind of tell a little bit of the story in the background and also kind of welcome Jevin officially to us. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's great to have Jevin on the show. And Jevin is actually a neighbor as well as you know, our partnership with with AE Studio is just down the street in Venice, California. And, you know, the theme of our conference, right, is curiosity and community and connection. And I think the story of how this came to be and how this partnership came to be is a perfect example of that. 
Devin, being the curious guy that he is, poked his head in at one of our live podcasts that we did in Venice, California, and introduced himself. And we had a great conversation, so much common ground with what we're trying to do in this space and and the legacy of this incredible company that Jevin is executive vice president of and what they're trying to do in this space. And it was very clear that we shared the same goals. And so it was natural that as we were thinking about how do we do more for this space, that we figure out some cool way to partner. And that's really the genesis of Edge of AE. And we're so fortunate to have them as one of our lead sponsors for NFTLA and to have Jevin on the show with us today. Thanks for joining us, Jevin. Yeah, thanks for having me. And what a great origination story to think that I was at a live podcast and and here I am. And I think that that really ties into like the ethos of Web3 and some really great discussion earlier with Jack and it was cool to meet him in the virtual green room and kind of hear how that played out. And it's it's so fascinating in terms of, you know, access that you get to certain people, of course, and then all of the different stakeholders who are involved and all of them have to be there to see the, you know, the future that we want to see. So really cool and thrilled to be here, guys. Yeah, it's an honor to have you. And I'm so pumped about what we're building together. You know, I kind of shared the high level vision of Edge of AE. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about like what the go-to-market strategy is of Edge of E and how we can help folks with their Web3 and NFT needs? Sure, yeah. I think, you know, at the foundation of it, it's also something that was talked about earlier. We want to provide the easy button to partners. And it's so interesting, you know, you see all these like corporate and institutional capital inflows into the space and, and also people as creators saying, hey, I want to launch an NFT marketplace. What does that take? So for us, we really take the approach of, of the easy button thinking through from like a strategic advisory perspective and saying, hey, what's phase one? But then what does the roadmap look like afterwards? And what's the utility of what you're doing? And it's been interesting to see the evolution of the space because, you know, it did start, you know, kind of like fun images. And this project's really cool because it's great artwork and that's awesome. And then came the utility piece. So what is this doing for me? What's the secondary value going to look like? Do I believe in the people, you know, who are building this and where they're going? And now this sort of roadmap uh, phase that we're in, and it's interesting how fast that's maturing because... Anybody can put a roadmap together and there's probably roadmap factories out there in terms of what people you know, say they're going to build, but being able to kind of track that back and say, hey, here's where you achieve that milestone. This is why this project's great and why we're taking a long-term sort of view for that. So the types of projects that, that we're partnering with the Edge of guys, and, and we have you know Edge of AE Studio that we're launching at NFTLA, which if you're not going, get tickets, go, bring that Web2 friend, surely, bring your grandma, Bring people, you know, who aren't maybe fully involved in the space so we can show them what the true value of Web3 is and what the promise of blockchain technology is. And so we're looking for all sorts of different projects. And we work currently with kind of two main groups of partners, one being that kind of larger enterprise type partner. So, you know, as you can imagine, every Fortune 100, 500, for that matter, company is looking for a Web3 strategy. And they're not quite sure. They don't want to go full DGEN yet. So helping them think through what's the approach. And if we start with NFTs, where does it go for phase two? And how is this going to land you know, with your user base at this point? And how are you also going to you know, pick up new customers or new users while also simultaneously talking to the crypto natives of the world, talking to the DGENs, right? It's kind of these two 
ends of the spectrum in terms of what's the utility, what are we focusing on, and then how are you also providing you know fiat on ramps and bringing people who don't understand what the blockchain is into the Web three space, and then simultaneously you know looking at just really cool, interesting, bleeding edge type startups and people you know with interesting ideas to help blockchain technology propagate ultimately, and people who tie into the ethos of what we're doing and, and what those partnerships look like. You know, we at AE Studio we're the builders, right? So we're building everything end to end and partnering ultimately with companies like Scale, which full disclosure, I just bought some more Scale while Jack was talking. It's really, really exciting. And yeah, yeah, really interesting. This is what I come to. That that happens to me all the time where I'm buying things while the podcast (laughs) is airing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really cool. And I literally, I come as a listener to this podcast for, for that. So it's just this really cool kind of meta moment where, where we're in it and, and yeah, purchasing more scale, which is awesome. Yeah, so yeah, we partner. Hey, I was going to ask. So one, from my view, when I'm in these projects, there's you are providing this completely missing, missing link right now. I think it's a phenomenal idea and just helping these major brands just create, you know, just make things actionable, right? Like getting it from you know, A to B is just, there's a huge, huge gap in the market. So, and I also had heard, I, I you know, I'm teeing you up a little here because I've heard some good things and I actually would like to hear more. I'd love to hear more of the background of the studio and the team. And it just sounds like you're bringing together kind of like an all-star cast to the problem. Oh, you mean like the independent uh, stuff that they've been doing with AE before, before we collaborated? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That'd be great to hear about. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Thanks. And, and appreciate those kind words, Jack. So, for us, uh, so yeah, we're based in Venice. As Josh said, we are neighbors. We have an office on Abbott Kinney. And we're a team of about 120 senior level folks, all full uh, developers, designers, it relates to UI UX, PhD level data scientists. And we have a really interesting model, I think, that you know Josh was drawn to initially and now getting to work with Jeff and Ethan, wherein we take a long-term approach to everything and really are focused not just on you know the quick wins, and there's a lot of money floating around the space, in particular talking about Web3 right now. And I think there's a lot of people trying to tap into that for us. You know, we consider ourselves blockchain boomers and have been here for some time and of course have gone through the winters and have learned a lot of lessons because of that. And so yeah, we work on a consulting basis, you know, with uh, both enterprise partners and, and startups doing all sorts of different work, including quite a bit of web three stuff through our partnerships with Dapper, uh, partnerships with Polygon. And what's really interesting there, I think, you know, the big proof of concept, I know Crypto Kitties was called out, but the big proof of concept for enterprise surely was MBA Top Shot. And I think their secondary last time I looked is, you know, 800, 900 million. And so a lot of a lot of inbound there. And Jack, you're calling out that specific, you know, space where there's a lot of demand, but not a ton of supply, which is now what? And how do we not only do the build and tie it into our existing platform, but how do we build the community? around it? And how do we think about go-to-market strategy? And how do we simplify this, not just for the user base, but also for our internal staff, right? And so there's you know interesting pushback at times from these large companies of saying, well, why are we getting into NFTs? And how is that going to build brand loyalty? And so for us, we really are usually... you know Somebody reaches out to us from the inside and they're like the, uh, the lone degen, you know, maybe on the marketing team. And maybe they've been talking about this for two, three years. And finally, you know, there's board approval and there's executives who are really trying to push this forward. And so working, you know, across product teams, marketing teams and helping them bring this to fruition. And ultimately, you know, we're, we're really focused on bringing the value of Web3 
you know, to their brand and to their users. So, so let's talk later. I've got three really big projects where we need you. So make a deal. <laughs> hey, you heard it here first, but yeah, really that's really great. Definitely, Jack, and interested to explore that. Love what you guys are doing. As I said, I, just beefed up my holdings. <laughs> I was already planning to introduce you guys at NFTLA and and everything. So this is cool that we're breaking bread a little bit early and diving into this. Jack, if you check your email on the way of the plane, there'll be a contract, sort of preliminary contract in your email inbox. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I think this is how it gets done, guys. This is the speed of innovation in the space. This everyone needs the help and and we can, you know, rise together you know, by doing projects that move the industry forward and and make things better. I think there's so much potential converging technology right now. It's never been a better, more exciting time to innovate. And we're having a similar conversation, Jack, about what inning we're in over lobster and beer. We're recently on the lobster and beer show. And I was like, I had a deja vu moment. So maybe we'll have to continue this conversation. We'll find some good food in LA. Lobster is not our specialty, so we'll have to uh, come up with something else there. Yeah, long story short about what inning we're in. I think it went from like third inning to like preseason to like little league as the, yeah, as, yeah. The, as the three of us just gave our opinion. It was like, <laughs> oh yeah, talk, early. there's a lot. Just getting started. Wait, is it T-Ball? I mean, it might be <laughs> T-Ball, guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know, I want to try to be the one to help usher Jack onto his plan and make sure he doesn't miss it on our account. So we know you really, really have to go and you literally have stuck to the last minute. And so uh, let's give you an out. Thanks a lot for joining us and, and we'll wrap up without hey, you. Thank you. This has been a fun time. Um, Really good meeting everybody and excited to see everyone in LA. Beautiful. Absolutely. Safe travels. Thanks, Talk buddy, for coming on. Thank you. So as Jack heads out, you know, I do want to highlight one thing. I and mean, we've had the pleasure to not only partner with A Studios, but actually, you know, work really closely with them as a part of a tech product that we're developing. We're not ready to announce it fully publicly yet, but you know, what an amazing dev team that we're collaborating with over there in building out this product. And I don't know if we've you know fully underscored just the expansiveness of those capabilities on the development front. Yeah, I, mean, I just it's really amazing. I want to interject something. I think it's actually really hard to communicate how impressive your team is and also just the vision that you guys have, like really not wanting to settle for just like, yeah, we just want to do some development. No, like I've seen over and over, you want to work on the cutting edge and, and be a part of like building the future in all sorts of aspects. And I remember specifically talking to, you know, one of the other people on your executive team about, you know, all the interest you have in brain computer interface, right? And that is like, that's about as as edgy as you can get, right? And also just being willing to take that on and have the utilities and resources on your team to kind of dive into that segment and do something cool. I really think... uh, Think we're going and for our listeners who and, don't and, know, of course, Ethan is our token neuroscientist. I would be. That is what I would <laughs> be know. impressed by. I just thought and, of that, but yeah. And, and Jeff, Ethan, like, you know, this is now our team, right? Like, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The, this yeah, is the edge totally. of EE is now two amazing entities coming together to do something super, super cool to to sort of help more folks get into Web3. So I um, couldn't be more excited. By to, the way, Check out the logo they created for our joint venture because I think it's probably like just better than anything that we've been able to come with. Yeah, so they're, they're, like they've got everything, you know, they've got design, they've got everything on board. It's, it's really awesome. Yeah, there's definitely some Illuminati vibes, I think, going, <laughs> yeah, totally. uh, going in the FAE. But 
No, it's amazing. I think you're right. It's like Voltron. You know, we've united and, and our team is really excited about the partnership. And what's cool is you guys are getting to see how the product's built, you know, built as well. And you're kind of seeing it from the ground up and, you know, the agile approach that we take and, and how we iteratively, you know, do an iterative style of development. And we're fast, right? At the end of the day, I mean, the team, they're just amazing. When you look at the developers, the designers, the data scientists, the community marketing folks, Really, it's people who want to be here. And we're really focused, again, on that long-term view. And that also ties to retention, which inherently means we have to be very selective in terms of the projects that we take on and, and who we work with. And we hope that those people and those groups share our values, right? You know, kind of the overarching theme here and something that I know, you know, we've talked uh, with you guys about pretty extensively is increasing human agency. And what does that mean? Oh, yeah, and man. what does it mean from... I'm so yeah. glad you said that. Oh, man, yeah, that is yeah, such a huge yeah. win. We, we didn't even really, we, that wasn't something you stated explicitly to us. But like, I think when I heard you guys call that out and Eve take a moment to call that out when we got together, increasing human agency, it's just something that we can all really get on board with. Sorry to cut you off, but I was like waiting for you to say it. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that's cool. I appreciate it. If you know when you're excited, jump in for sure. And the whole idea there is we want to decrease friction in terms of you know how end users are using the technologies that we build and enable them to accomplish their goals on the technology side. And then really the kind of universal approach of increasing human agency and making sure that we have the you know the ability to do what we want and there's not some sort of uh, you know negative impact from the technologies that we're using. And that, of course, very much relate with the BCI work that we're doing. And, and the team there is is amazing and phenomenal. So yeah, we're, we're trying to solve the hard problems and, and have fun while we're doing it. And I think you know, Edge of AE really focuses on just that. Like, how do we help people really get the power of Web3 you know, within their companies and, and building and creating? So yeah, exciting stuff. I guarantee you. The future is our brains exchanging NFTs with, with each other. Like, I just guarantee you, it's going to be part of the future. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we're thinking about the intersection of, of BCI and blockchain, right? And, you know, what's happening with all of that streaming neural data when, although we're not, you know, propagators of everybody having chips implanted, we think that it very well might be inevitable. And, you know, you just think about how technology has been progressing, but yeah, it's a ton of fun. And it was really exciting to hear, you know, your neuros neuroscience background, Ethan, and all of the different points of overlap we have with the entire team. These are how I think great partnerships are formed and really excited at NFT LA to be talking to a lot of different folks about this and, and helping expedite their, uh, their journey into the Web3 magical place that we've all been having so much fun in. <laughs> we, we want more people to join. Man, it's been, wow, quite an hour and some really excellent folks to throw together. Deep combos, lots going on, ecosystems being built left and right. But it's probably about time to wrap up. We should just kind of tell people how to find out more about how to work with Edge of AE Studios and get some projects done and be a doer and a, and a co-creator in the space with us. Who'd like to share that info? Yeah. I definitely jump in and it was a great hour and it was fast as uh, these usually do. And I think we had it done live on podcast, which is pretty cool, at least the beginnings of one. Jack was amazing. So yeah, you can go to edgeofae.com and take a look there. There's some forms to fill out and reach out. You know, We'd love to uh, chat with you. And I know we're going to put some other social handles out there after the show. Beautiful stuff, man. Well, thanks so much for coming aboard. And man, really exciting path here on this rocket ship, man. So let's get after it, huh? I agree. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you soon. Talk soon, buddy.
Okay. Well, guys, I think we have reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes or Spotify right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And remember, we always invite you to co-create and build with us at Edge of NFT. We're unlocking a whole new way to connect and collaborate with us through our own NFT drops, spirit seeds leading to living tree NFTs, which light the way to our event, NFT LA, a one-of-a-kind, immersive, and unforgettable experience at LA Live in Los Angeles, March 28th to the 31st. Check it out at nftla.live and move quickly because tickets are going fast. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.